I'm Mitchell Tinley and welcome to Triple MMA. On today's show, could the Joe Rogan move to the land of Oz? We chat with an Aussie prospect willing to go so far he lives in his car. And have you ever wondered how so many fighters can drop tens of kilos and still make it to the fight night the day after? Well, we chat to the man that gets them there. But first... One man wanted to sit ringside, but he couldn't get a small mortgage to buy a ticket. I don't have any money! But guess what? Perth YouTuber Mikey T didn't let that stop him. This Sunday, we will be sneaking into UFC 284. Oh, Mikey T, a Perth YouTuber, faked his credentials to get inside the event. Staff, yeah, media. Oh, media, yeah. All good, thank you. Okay. Holy f- Oh my f- God. Oh my God. He got a uniform. And now what I need to do is I need to go and get myself a black polo, get a few UFC logos, heat press them onto the polo and the lanyard, and we should be good to go. Now look, I'm not endorsing this at all, and he'll probably be banned for life and be hit with a bigger fine than your passive-aggressive girlfriend. But hey, it takes balls to get in the cage, and it takes balls just as big to get close to it. More news from UFC 284, MMA and podcasting superstar Joe Rogan was super impressed with Perth over the weekend. God damn, Perth is beautiful. Look Gorgeous. how beautiful Perth is. I'm afraid is. of all that water. I'm afraid Listen, of all that water. Listen, if the shit hits a fan in America, let's all move to Perth. I'm so... What? That's, that's the last that's, place we're going to go. The shit Australia? hits the fan? But there seems to be one condition. It's we got to bring guns. Yeah. Yeah. No guns. No guns. Me, no guns. You. Fortunately, we do actually have guns. And one of them is named Jack Della. Jack Della Maddalena has some of the best body work. Yes. The way he rips the body inside, he goes from the head to the body so well, like almost better than anybody. Good to the head sure. and to the body, he mixes it up so well. He digs to the ribs, but his combinations are so smooth. Jack also picked up the $50,000 performance of the night bonus. The other fights over the weekend were Eternal MMA 73, which I broke down with former UFC fighter Callum the Rockstar Potter, which you can find on the Listener app or wherever you get yours. Even though the UFC is over, there's still plenty of fights to look forward to in the coming weeks with Diamondback in Adelaide, Demolition in Melbourne, Beatdown Promotions in Queensland, and Hex Fight Series returning with more title fights than an English will dispute on Feb 24. You can check out another bonus episode with featherweight title challenger Jared Willibram, who speaks on the pressure about his upcoming title fight. I take the fights that people don't want to take. I have never said no to a fight. I said yes to this fight, and I don't think anyone wanted to fight my opponent. And now look what the universe has provided me, the perfect opportunity on the world stage. He even spoke on his time training with Alex Volkanovsky. The guy's just, he's on a new level. Like, obviously, he's such a physical specimen, such a beast in, in that outcome, but he's so smart and so knowledgeable on the sport. He looks at things I find a lot differently than other people would look at them and I think that's what makes him so great. You can check out that bonus set with Jarrett by subscribing now or you can check him out on Hex which will be on ESPN or of course visit HexFightSeries.com for more. Now, have you ever wondered how these giant athletes fight in a weight class that you probably weigh yourself but they look nothing like you? Wait a minute! I'm not talking about the muscles but just the sheer size of them. You think to yourself, they must be doing something. Perhaps you go one step further and you watch the weigh-ins of an event and you see an athlete almost dragged out to the scales as if they were a prisoner of war. Would you like some what? And you think to yourself, there's no way they can make it to the fight the next day. Yet the next time you see them, they look like they've ingested that very athlete you saw the day before and performed like a wax silverback gorilla in board shorts. Getting a visual? 
Well, that, my friend, has a lot to do with a thing called weight cutting. Nothing, because we like fight milk. Weight cutting has become a hot topic in the sport of mixed martial art. It's where some fighters dehydrate themselves so that they can make it under a certain weight limit to fight in a certain bracket in a promotion. Isn't that cheating? It's an incredibly scientific and somewhat dangerous and controversial practice that has seen many fighters either game the system or be game themselves. It's cost some fighters fights and even some fighters their lives. One man is on a mission to educate the masses. That man is Jordan Sullivan. Him and his team run the renowned Fight Dietitian. TFD has become a household name in the world of fight nutrition. Jordan is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He himself is a two-time nominee for World MMA Trainer of the Year. And he has personally worked with world champions such as Leon Edwards and our very own Alex Volkanovsky, just to name a few. This chat is one of my favorite chats of all time. The way Jordan breaks down the ideology of nutrition is second to none. Whether you're a fight fan, nutrition fan, or just someone that has ever eaten food and wondered what it did to your body, then this chat is for you. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the fight dietitian, Jordan Sullivan. All right, joining me on the line, Jordan Sullivan of The Fight Dietitian. Mate, first of all, thank you for joining me. Mitch, thanks for having me, mate. Now, it's uh, good to finally have you on because you are the man that doesn't get the praise that the fighter gets. Everyone thinks that they just rock, rock up on weigh-in day, they stand on a scale, they weigh that weight, then they go and fight, and you are the man that gets them there. Yeah, it's right. It's uh, You don't get much attention until anything goes wrong. Many <laughs> get a lot of attention. So uh, if we're not getting attention, it means we're probably doing something right. It is... Like, what's the thing that drew you towards it? Because you like uh, martial arts yourself. What what drew you into into the dietitian part of it? I studied nutrition and dietetics at university. And when I finished, I was like most other graduates, right? I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. So I uh, <laughs> ended up moving over to Canada. And that's when I, I was living kind of the, the bum life over there. And I was just training all the time. So I was training full time and then competing a lot. And then me having two degrees in nutrition, I was still struggling to um, cut weight safely. So that kind of started me on this big journey of, oh, well, how do I figure out the science of this? And I guess just doing it myself for so long kind of led me onto the path today. And now we're doing it with some of the best in the world. So you're a, uh, you've done a lot of jujitsu uh, and tournaments and, and, and whatnot. Uh, any other like uh, boxing, Muay Thai? Yeah, I started in boxing when I um when I was growing up actually, and then I transferred out of boxing and played rugby. And then the reason I got into jujitsu is I got really badly injured playing rugby. Both my shoulders got really bad, so I couldn't really punch for a while. And then I thought, what else can I do? And I saw everyone flopping on on the ground and in a jujitsu class one day, and thought, oh, that looks alright. I'll jump in on that. Was uh was the 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 goals to to follow fighting, or was it just to sort of stay fit? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Like I've always loved the UFC. I think I started watching the UFC when I was quite young. And I remember very, very distinctly, as probably most young guys do, one of my best friend's older brother playing the UFC game yeah. on PlayStation and then practicing all the moves on us. And that's pretty much where I started uh, watching it. That was back in the Chuck Liddell days. So I've always been super interested. I think when I started competing myself and then realized, oh, wow, there's like a real gap in the information here. That's when it started fostering in my mind, oh, this could actually be a job and not just something I do, you know, every night, win tight tights with other blokes on the mat. Well, that's the, the thing too, because not only has the sport, is the sport quite new, it's it's even newer in Australia. So therefore, the, the knowledge is not necessarily there. Uh, I'm assuming most people that think about weight cutting 
Uh, it's like, you know, 80 kilos, you want to cut to 75 because that's the division. So you go sit in a sauna for a little bit. Like what is the biggest sort of misconceptions with weight cuts and how do you explain it to the average Joe? Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they hear about what I do, the first question I get is, oh, I've got a birthday party or a wedding coming up. Can can I do a wedding? <laughs> and it's a bit different because uh, these guys are obviously training the house down and it's a slow process. And what you see on TV is kind of the very back end of it. So when you see the guys weighing in, it's really the last little bit of the process. And only for about six hours, even less sometimes, four to two hours before. And that's when we're sitting in these saunas and sweating out. And you'll you'll see guys in sauna suits running on treadmills. But really, that's the back end of a process that's gone 12 weeks of really, really intelligent dieting. And then we change up a few things the days before they get in the bath or sauna. And that makes them lose a bit more weight. And then they get on the scales. And the crazy thing is, Mitch, as you know, when they get off the scales, we just start putting it all back in. So I'm sure like you might might want to look good for your wedding, but you don't want to put all that weight back on for your wedding photos. And that's what these guys get really good at. Now, when it comes to, obviously you've got a real science-based approach. And now a lot of guys that even do MMA, like we want to mitigate obviously CTE and stuff in MMA, but you still know it's it's there. You are still taking a risk. With weight cutting, obviously it can be done bad, but is even scientifically weight cutting still bad for your body? Yeah, absolutely. Like everything carries a risk, right? Even if you do it in the most perfect way possible, at the end of the day, if you're going to get in a hot sauna or a hot bath and then sweat your body and kind of push your body to not its absolute physical limits, but push it, there's always going to be a risk. But like you said, Mitch, the science has come a long way. And I'm sure if there's any diehard MMA fans watching and you remember the old Ultimate Fighter series where they used to lock guys in the yeah, saunas yeah. and <laughs> let them get out, like those days are long gone. And like you said, we've got a lot more science with it and we can do a lot of maths and calculations 12 weeks before and say, hey, look, buddy, if, uh, if you do this, we'll probably have to lock you in a sauna. So we're probably not going to recommend it. So you can avoid a lot of those issues before they come to fruition if you know what you're doing at the start. I was going to say, can you, can you tell if a guy isn't going to make weight pretty far out? Yeah, if someone's going to miss weight and they're doing everything right, you will know about it about eight weeks beforehand oh, if you know what you're doing. And is there telltale signs? Is it is it just commitment, or is this is the the uh, a lot of the thought process is that guy the the guy just didn't diet well enough, he didn't train hard enough. But is there times where the body just doesn't react? Yeah, absolutely. It can get pretty um, technical, right? I think there's two ways to look at it. It is commitment and dieting is a hard thing. Anyone that's dieted or done the Atkins diet or done the keto diet, kind of anything, any type of diet, it's hard to stick to, right? And these guys are training two, sometimes three times a day, plus they're dieting on top of that. They're eating just a little bit less calories than what their body needs because that's what we need to do to lose weight. And they're doing that for eight weeks. So, the first thing you need to be mindful of is, yeah, it's a big commitment. Sometimes these guys want, might be getting up in the middle of the night and getting a couple of sneaky snacks. I have a, have a friend who lived with a very famous fighter who I won't mention. He had to put Glad Wrap on his fridge door. So when he woke up in the morning, if the Glad Wrap was on the ground, he knew he got up at nighttime and got a midnight snack. That's one part of it. And then the second part, when we get into the actual weight cutting per se when these guys are jumping in saunas and baths and running in these sauna suits that can get really dangerous and unfortunately we've seen it in the sport we've seen people lose their lives because it's a very delicate system how our body uses fluid in our body and you think how do we get oxygen nutrients around it's through our blood 
And that's where we're pulling this fluid from. So if we pull out way too much fluid, we pull it out too fast, we overheat the body. It puts a huge amount of pressure and stress on our cardiovascular system. And if you do that last part wrong, it can be pretty bad. Does uh, dropping an amount of weight, uh, people have mentioned before about like fluid from the brain and it can lead to, to quicker knockouts. And is that, is that accurate? We, we don't have the science on it, but coming from my experience, I would say absolutely. And I think anyone who has seen someone cut a lot of weight, which means they're sweating a lot in that last 24 hours before they weigh in, it makes you what we call chinia. And the chin is kind of like the on-off switch to the body, as anyone knows, and <laughs> done a bit of fighting. So if you become more chinia, I always use the analogy of say you got a rock and you put it in a cup full of water, you shake that cup of water around, the rock's not really going to hit the sides too much, yeah. is it? But if you put that rock and you take the water out, bang, 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 that's oh. essentially what's happening with your brain. So you become more chinia and that on-off switch seems to become a lot more sensitive. And so you do unfortunately see these guys do these big weight cuts. And I've seen it taking just measuring jabs, which really you're just throwing your paw at them and then they'll go down from them. And then there's all the other subsequent things that can happen, hitting your head on the ground and whatnot. And when it comes to uh, essentially the weight cut, how much, so most uh, fight camps, let's say they're, they're 10, 8, uh, 12 weeks, how much of it is diet and then what is the actual weight cut sort of uh, situation for someone that's never fought before? So let's use that example, say the 80 kilo. That's a pretty standard weight. And it probably blows someone's mind if you're not really familiar with the sport. That's a pretty standard weight for someone who will weigh in at 70 kilos. And I would even say that's probably pretty on the light yeah. side for that 70 kilo division. They can go right up to 85 kilos. We like our guys, let's just say sitting in between 82, 83 kilos. We would like them during that eight weeks to lose about six kilos and get down to about 77 kilos or so. Yeah. And that's not an exactly random number. The reason we say that is because when we're moving all of this fluid from your body, we know there's a certain amount that we can do pretty safely before we get into that territory where we're going, oh God, this could be pretty stressful on the body to the point where we're not really comfortable doing it. And that number is about 10% of your body weight, which is a lot. And I'll, I'll say it again, these guys do it with professionals because if you've got a wedding coming up and you're doing the math in your head that you can lose 10% in 24 hours, don't try it because you're not going to have a good time. But just before they step on the scale, that person who's weighing in at 70 kilos was likely probably 77 kilos just a few days before. And in the 24 hours, they were probably four or five kilos heavier. So as it as it gears up to that that weigh in day, are they you know dro is it like dropping the carbs, lifting the protein, uh, no salt? Like what's the back end of that? Yeah, you're pretty much putting them on a ketogenic diet basically, and I always like to say that because the same as the ketogenic diet for a lot of people is kind of fake weight loss. Yeah. It's fake, fake weight loss for these fighters too because when you take carbohydrates out of the body. What a lot of people don't realize is when we have lots of carbs, it's really good. Our body likes yeah. that, but it also holds a lot of water. And all we're doing these last few days when we're getting rid of that 10% water weight, we're removing all the water that we can while keeping them safe. And one of the easiest ways to do that is just go on a keto type of diet 
and you take the carbs out and that really happens fast within two to three days. Like Mitch, you and I could cut all carbs out yeah. and in two to three days we could be four to 5% lighter. And you see that a lot when yeah. guys go on these keto diets, they get that really fast initial weight loss, yeah. right? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not body fat and it kind of lures them into this false sense of security where they go, this is great, but really they've just lost the water weight attached to those carbs and they're probably not going to keep losing the fat. But that's something we utilize with these fighters. Because a lot of it would be uh, the performance is almost, well, would have to be the number one factor. So yeah, you want to lose the weight, but what's the point in hitting the weight if you suck and you can't train properly? So is that very difficult for you to manage? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing is, these guys don't get paid or a belt wrapped around their waist for making weight. They, they get paid and get belts for winning fights, right? So that's the whole point. And I guess that's our whole job is how do you navigate this whole system when you're getting Joe Blow, who's 80 kilos, and in eight weeks' time, he needs to be 70 kilos, but he's only going to lose three kilos in those eight weeks. And then I've somehow got to get seven kilos off him in five days. While we're doing all of that, I've got to make sure Joe Blow is training really well every session, recovering really well, hydrating properly, doing everything right. That's pretty much our job as performance dietitians to navigate that. Do you look at sports like, uh, say, like horse racing with jockeys, uh, bodybuilding? Are they? Is it kind of the same across the board or are they all very different? Very, very similar concepts, but very different within each sport and we work with a a lot of jockeys actually and it's very different because those guys are doing this every day multiple times throughout the day sometimes multiple weight classes throughout the day so the principles that you're using with them are very similar but it's a very different approach that you would take to them so what's uh, some like common misconceptions that you find that a lot of fighters uh go through in like you know are they cutting out the wrong the wrong things or trying to do uh the the wrong procedures when when cutting weight number one thing that i would say and i don't even think this applies for fighters to be honest which i think this is just people in general when it comes to nutrition is they'll cut carbohydrates out because they think carbohydrates makes me put on fat. And as I just explained, carbs are really, really good, especially when we're doing any exercise that's more intense than say jogging, your body's predominantly going to be using carbs as its main fuel source. So when you cut out those carbohydrates, one, you'll get that initial weight loss, which is attractive to a lot of these fighters. They go, yeah, you know what? I'm 80 kilos. I've got to get down to 70. Well, I just dropped two kilos because I cut carbs out. But then all of a sudden, they're not eating the right amount of calories, so they don't lose any more body fat. And then all of a sudden, they took away the main gas that they've got to put in the car that is their body, and they're going, crap, now I'm not losing weight, and I feel like crap. So they can't do it. Is that where you see guys like, let's say like a Jose Aldo, who was like, you know, 145, uh, 155, which is like your 70, 65 kilo range, and then later in their career they're getting these more scientific dietitians and they're getting to drop even further with weight. They're getting even lighter. Is it because of that, like the sport has gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, cut the carbs out, don't drink water. And then they get with you guys and they realize like, no, 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 if we do it the right way, it's a slower process, but you can go further. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to remember MMA is a pretty young sport. As you said, really the UFC is in its 30th year, I think. And what let's, I always use the example, think of rugby league. Think of rugby league back in the 80s or 90s and compare it to now in 2023, right? The way the games play, the way the players look, the way the players train, completely different, right? And that's 
purely down to the evolution of sports science and the effective practice of that sports science. So unfortunately for all of our coaches that used to compete, you know, 20 years ago, they just didn't have the science that we have. And yeah. now we have all of that science and there's people like me, you know, lots of people like me who can spread that out. So now these fighters who have been around for a while, yeah, they might've struggled making this weight class, but when you add a bit of science in there and a bit of, you know, this and that, they can not only make that weight cast, they can probably go down one and still be completely safe. So are you saying that the the sauna is non-existent in a weight cut or just not used as much as it used to be? It's still used, definitely. We definitely still use it, just nowhere near as much. I think we're a lot more privy of what the negative health consequences of being in a sauna when you're already dehydrated can be. I think that's a good point to make because I think a lot of uh, today, a lot of people love using the sauna, right? And there is a lot of health benefits to doing regular sauna. The caveat to that is that when you and me go into the sauna after work today, Mitch, like we've had breakfast, lunch, and, you know, afternoon snack, we've been drinking water all day. We go in there and we feel good. The poor fighters that are going in are already dehydrated. They've gone through eight weeks of dieting. We've done this little, you know, four or five day magic with the carbs, salt and everything else. So they're quite depleted. And then we're asking their body to continue to lose fluid while they're already in this dehydrated state. And that can be really, really dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. So in the, the, let's say the morning of, of a weigh-in, no, we'll go the night before of of a a UFC weigh-in, are they, do they stop, at what point do they stop eating uh, and people would have heard this thing called water loading. Like, what is that? So, so water loading is essentially this, uh, it's funny because it, it's probably, your and my coach probably knew about it 20 years yeah. ago, but only now we're figuring out they actually knew what they were talking about <laughs> in the science. But um, essentially it's just putting on, a, drinking a little bit more than what you would usually do in your day-to-day. Most normal people, Mitch, you and I probably drink three, four liters yeah. a day. It would be drinking, say, five, six liters. You don't have to go crazy. A lot of people you'll see drinking eight, 10 liters, absolutely unnecessary, just a little bit more. So say five, six liters a day. And that what that does, everyone knows, what happens when you drink a bit more water? You're always up and running back and forth to yeah. the bathroom. Right? What that physiologically does in our kidneys is it changes a few things about the functions of how our kidneys process pee. Yeah. And what that does is it encourages our body to keep pushing it out because it thinks we've got all this abundance of water. Yeah. So then what we can do, and we can be a little sneaky, anywhere from 12 to 18 hours before they step on the scale, we can reduce that water amount. Yeah. And the theory goes that, well, if our body thinks that we're still getting all of this water in, it'll keep pushing out a little bit. And that's essentially the idea behind water loading. You don't have to do it pretty extreme, but it's definitely a cool thing. And it's only something you would do, you know, 18 hours out type thing or, or what's the, the, the time? Yeah, I, I think a lot of fighters get really a bit too far red car with their restrictiveness when they do all this. Like you, you said before, like how long do they stop eating food? I give my guys ice cream before they go to bed the night before that they weigh in because I want them to keep eating and drinking fluid all the way up until they get on the scale because I don't want them to be depleted because a lot of my guys are fighting for world titles. Yeah. And I like winning world titles. It, it, it's a lot better. So it's better to keep some fuel in there and not go so depleted. And so the the old school thing of like drinking like distilled water and like stuff like that is like completely out. 
yeah, yeah. Do not drink distilled water when you're woodworking. Absolutely do not do that. Now, when it comes to uh, the fighters you've worked with, uh, what type of, like, what level are, are these guys? And, and can you say who was some of your, your favorite people to work with? Uh, I can definitely say who. I think if I say who my favorite, like, uh, <laughs> I might get some pretty, pretty uh, mean text messages once we get off the call. But we're, we're very fortunate, right? Like, we're very, very fortunate that we've got some pretty high level clients. And I'm sure people, a lot of people know a few of them. And obviously, Alexander Volkanovsky's, we've worked with Alex for, for quite a few years now. So, He's one of our, our bigger name guys, Israel Adesanya, former middleweight champion. Uh, we currently work with Leon Edwards, who's the welterweight champion in the UFC. And then we work with a whole slew of other athletes and, you know, top ranging from top five, top 10 to new UFC recruits, all the way down to grassroots levels. And to be honest, the grassroots guys are probably my favorite to work with, yeah. you know, the guys that are just down at the gym because, you know, you can do so much good work with them and you can prevent a lot of the problems that the older guys who've been doing it for 10, 15 years as a career, probably those bad habits they already have. You can stop all of those really down at the grassroots. Now, with someone like Volkanovski, obviously uh, fighting up a weight class, what changes in, in the diet and in, in turn the weight cut uh, going forward? Yeah, this is probably the most asked question I've had in the last uh, eight weeks, I think. But with Volk, a lot of people assume because he's quite short that when we're doing this cut up to lightweight that he'll just walk on the weight. He won't have to diet. He won't have to do anything. But if anyone has ever met Volk, yeah. you'll understand that he's just a little ball of muscle. Yeah. And he's quite possibly one of the strongest humans I've ever met in my life. And I would compare him to a lot of the heavyweights and say Volk would probably be stronger than him. He's this little ball of muscle. And whereas when we go down to featherweight, which is the division that he's currently the other champion, we still cut a fair bit of weight, but we diet a fair bit. We diet for eight weeks. Yeah. Now with Volk for this one, we've taken out a lot of that dieting component and we've actually got him to put on a bit of weight. We've put, kept on the weight and we've kept the strength up. So we've taken this guy who I would say is one of the strongest pound for pound athletes I've ever worked with. And then we've taken away the main thing that you know, cuts into that strength, which is restrictive dieting, which all fighters have to do to make weight. We've taken that away and we've pretty much given him back this crazy superpower, which is his strength. So he's still going to have to diet down to make a bit of weight, but he's uh, he's definitely eating a lot better than the other guy. I can guarantee that. Yeah, because you've got some great stuff on the Fight Dietitian uh, like Instagram page and stuff, which is like what you what you think is a diet and what you actually you can eat. And I, I can't um, encourage people enough to sort of get in contact in some way or another to, to, to learn more about it. But what I wanted to ask you with all these fighters that you're working with, you're working with the best of the best. Who was your breakthrough guy? Like who's the guy that almost like in a way his results vouched to get all these other guys? So I think there's two. And I'm going to say the one that will probably hear this. And if I don't say him, he'll probably give me an uppercut <laughs> if I don't say it. But the very first guy that got me through the door, I suppose, was uh, Kai Kara France, who oh, fought yeah. for a flyweight title back in last year, I yeah. think, last year sometime. And um, yeah, Kai, it was a very funny story. I was actually working in UFC Adelaide with a UFC fighter, Tyson Pedro, who I think you had oh, yeah. on the yeah. podcast before. I was working with him and a guy called Ben Newen, Ben 10 who's uh, since retired and we were down in UFC Adelaide back in 2018 or something like that. And um, Kai's nutritionist 
actually was really good friends with the guy who was the replacement fighter for who Kai was fighting. Yeah. Kai was um, kind of left in a weird spot where he's like, oh man, like my nutritionist who's meant to be helping me wait, make weight is kind of like best friends with yeah. this guy meant to be punching in the face. <laughs> so his team kind of reached out to me and said, hey, we heard you're here. Can you help Kai just these last few days? And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like I know who Kai is and yeah, it'd be fine. And we just got on and me and Kai, were, you know, we're really good friends. We've worked together for years and years and I've been at every fight that he's been at and traveled all the way around the world with him. So I guess, yeah, that that one nutritionist whose best friend was uh, Kai's opponent, I probably owe a lot to. And then after that, I guess you work with one guy at the gym yeah. and kind of talks to the other one and everyone gets, and that kind of snowballed the whole TFD uh, excursion, I guess. I assume that is, yeah, exactly how it works. Like, you know, if, if he's making weight and then, especially when guys are training with him and say they know what he's walking around at and if they can do this great cut or he's still training well while cutting, uh, I can only imagine that it that it heightens um, heightens your name. Did you ever think that it would grow to this level? Not particularly, to be honest. I think um, I got asked this a couple of years ago, and I think anyone who does like works in a business or works with athletes, and you got to travel a lot, it's very go go go, and you don't really stop and sit back. And I think um, like last year we had at one time we had three UFC champions. We had you know Israel Adesanya, Leon Edwards, and then. Um, Alex Volkanovski and we had Kai fighting for the flyweight title. So that was potentially four UFC champions. So it's really cool. And I think the coolest part of it, aside from all of, you know, the things I get to do traveling and talking and meeting to all the people, I think by far the coolest part of it is that when I started TFD, I really wanted to get this message across to these younger athletes that there is a better way to do this and there's a better way to make weight and to do it in a way that's not going to put your health at risk. And by working with, you know, the Alexander, Alexander Volkanovskis, the Israel Adesanyas, the Kaikara Francis, they've just given us this huge platform to be able to spread that message. And we've been very fortunate that we can reach guys all around the world now. And, you know, I get guys messaging me saying, hey, this was the best weight cut that I've, I've ever done. And I followed you because I saw Israel or Alex and then I read all of your things on social media. It really helped you. Like, I just wanted to say thanks. And that's what makes it really cool working with those guys. And how many guys do you have, uh, not on the payroll, on the diet wall? How many? <laughs> on the, on the, on, on, as our team of dietitians, so we have four performance dietitians now. So, uh, yeah, they're all trained in uh, combat sports weight cutting science, I guess you'd call it. So four guys, but fortunately, for if you're an athlete and you're listening to this, we don't just work with fighters. We work with all, all types of athletes. We've got guys in the NRL, AFL, we've got guys in basketball, hockey, all types of different sports. The thing is when you do a uh, weight cutting, Mitch, it's kind of the trickiest puzzle you yep. can solve in sports nutrition. And once you do that, it, I'm not saying it's easier to solve it for the other sports, but it definitely makes them a lot less daunting. That's for sure. And uh, would you say you've, you've worked with like hundreds, thousands of athletes? Like how many athletes have you helped with this knowledge? Yeah, it'd be in the thousands, definitely in <laughs> thousands for sure so um it, and we have such a big reach right like and i think we and we've had a few platforms right that that have done pretty well like a podcast where we i'm very lucky I, i'm associated with a lot of people who are far smarter than me in the field right and we were all able to get together and i could run a weekly podcast for two years where i i talked to all of them about the science and that was getting out to tens of thousands of people every week and so that and like i said that was the goal when i started tfd it wasn't necessarily to work with the Alex Volkanovskis or work with the Israel Adesanya's, it was to get that message out 
So hopefully we don't have to see any young people get hurt as a prerequisite to do the sport that they love. I just think that's an absolutely crazy concept. And so hopefully all of this work will prevent that from happening. And, um, mate, once again, uh, I really appreciate the time and, and I'll, I'll let you go. I've just got one more question uh, to ask you. When this is all said and done, like how do you want the, the fight dietitian name to be remembered? I definitely would like to be associated with the guy that changed the sport for the better. I think if we could be the person that, you know, even impacted one person to not make bad decisions and hurt themselves cutting weight or making weight, then all of this was worth it. And I think if we can save one young person from doing that and that gives them the ability or opportunity to make a career out of this sport and do something they love for the rest of their life, then I think that'll all be worth it then. What a mind-blowing chat. I want to thank Jordan for coming on. We originally only had 10 minutes scheduled, but he stuck around for well beyond that. I honestly could have chatted to him for hours if my potato brain could absorb it at all, which is what I think he said a carb can do. I don't know. Anyway, you can follow Jordan at the underscore fight dietitian on Instagram or their website at thefightdietitian.com. Once again, I want to thank you for listening to episode five of the podcast. You can follow me or get in touch on all your social pipes by following Triple MMA. Don't forget to check out the other episodes and please do subscribe or tell a friend. It helps a lot. I'm Mitchell Tinley and that was Triple MMA.